Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I want you to believe that this is the, 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 the only supernatural book in the whole world. It's the only living word of God for us, and he is going to speak to us today. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture, and we're going to get into it. In Psalm 118, verse 24, the Bible says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, It's Time to Make a Decision for God. Pray with me. God, thank you for deciding for us. God, thank you for choosing to send your son to die for us and your spirit to live inside us. God, I thank you for your word that you have given us, and I pray that you would anoint me today to say what you'd have me to say. Speak to us, God. Lord, I pray that you would accomplish your will your way in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time to make a decision for God. Now, we're not there today, but I've said many times that one day we're going to be there. We're going to be to the place where I read the Scripture, say the sermon, and then pandemonium just breaks out in the spirit realm, and we get on the altar and do business with God without any need for uh, exhortation. But this could have been one of those times because if you're here and you're saved, if you love the Lord, if God's Spirit lives inside you, if you have any desire to please God at all, just these words on the screen right now ought to move you deep inside your spirit. It's time to make a decision for God. You ought to feel that some kind of way this morning. If you don't, then you need a checkup, not just from the neck up, but deep down inside your heart. Every day as human beings, no matter what age we are, we're all faced with decisions. Some of these decisions are big. Some of these decisions are small. But every day of our lives, we're going to be constantly faced with decisions. Some people try to opt out. I, I, I prophesy to you today that everyone in this room will make a decision for Jesus before we leave this place. Some people think they'll opt out and say, I'm not going to make a decision. Well, you have made a decision not to. Y'all, are you following me? To, to, to not make a decision is to effectively make a decision not to to do something. And I want you to know there's enough of not doing in the earth today. There's enough not doing in the church today. Everyone had a decision to come to church today or not. And, and you made a choice. You, to, you decided to come to church today. When Minister Harris got up here and the praise and worship team led in praise and worship, everyone had a decision to make of whether or not they would praise and worship God. Now, I can't look into your heart, but I can look into your face. See, this, this is why I've always said, 
worship leaders and choir get it easier than pastors. Uh, because when the crowd is just staring daggers at them, not participating at all, obviously hating being there, uh, the, the worship leader and the choir, they can just go deep. They, they can get that look, look in their face like everything in here smells bad and, and, and just close their eyes and zone out. Now, if I did that, I mean, I guess I could do that if I just stood right here. But if I did that and walked a lot, I might fall off the stage and I don't need the injury. You are going to make a decision today for God. You've made a decision by being here. You made a decision when it came time to praise and worship. But these decisions are not going to stop. Your opportunity for decision making is not going to stop. Every day, decisions are going to come your way. I love to read uh, about great men and women of the faith because I just really believe that if we do what others did, we can have what they had. I really believe that, that uh, we should have role models and examples of people who, who live this right and got the favor of God on their life. One, one such person like that for me was a preacher named D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody has so many great quotes. I just want to give you one of them today, and I want you to get this deep down. I, I love it so much, I put it on my notes. Let's look at that on the screen together. The greatest lesson I ever learned in life was to let God choose for me. And I want you to get that in your spirit. I want you to get that down in your mind, all the way down into your heart. The greatest lesson I ever learned in life was to let God choose for me. Now, you don't have to know who D uh, Dwight L. Moody is, but I can tell you this. He loved the Lord, and the blessing of God was on his life. And God used him in a great and a mighty way. And here's the reality. They're breaking out jackets now. This, <laughs> you put your fan down, didn't you? Ah, okay. See? Uh, wear short sleeves and what? Bring a jacket. That's all you got to do. Um, if you get cold back there, you can make that adjustment on that air uh, and, 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 and cut the air off. We're the only church in America run an air conditioner 50 degrees outside. But it's hotter than that now. The greatest lesson. I wonder if you've learned this lesson, and I wonder if you're willing to do it. Are you willing to let God choose for you? See, people pretend like they want God to choose for them. Pray for me, Pastor. I'm praying about the right job. Man, you better get a job. <laughs> are, are you working yet? No, I didn't feel like the Lord wanted. Uh, listen, if it's been nine years since you had a job and somebody offers to hire you, take, that's the Lord. That's a sign. Uh, but pe people act like they really want God. I'm, I'm praying about uh, whether or not I, I should marry this person are, are are you praying about it or are you lusting about it uh are, are you praying about it or are you just tired of being lonely well i'm praying uh, i'd love to hear somebody say this i'm praying about how much money the lord wants me to give in the offering today oh i wish you would i i, I bet he's got bigger faith than you do for finances but this, this successful Christian man, this, 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 this man who God blessed, he said the greatest lesson I ever learned. That's a big statement. 
I mean, th th this isn't something to be taken lightly. He said this is the big thing was to let God choose for me. Now, I would love it if it didn't work this way. I would love it if, if, we, if we didn't even have a process of letting God choose for us. Uh, I, I wish God would just put it on automatic and choose for us. We're going to turn the air off because everybody's sitting like this now. And I know, I, I know that ain't body language that I hate you and I'm closed off. Uh, <laughs> Dina's up and down. She's getting her exercise in. Um, we got to get back into this no matter what y'all's body language is. This isn't a small lesson. This is what D.L. Moody says the greatest lesson he ever learned is to let God choose for him. I wish God would just put it on automatic. I wish we didn't have the option of choosing for ourselves because I have learned this. God chooses better. I didn't say God chooses easier. God doesn't always choose more comfortable. God doesn't always choose what we would choose, but God chooses better. And as we talk about making a decision today, I want you to understand that the smart thing to do is to let God choose for you. Because if we could just begin to make all of our decisions based, based on what's best for God's kingdom and not our comfort, then we would get moving in the right direction. Because I don't think it takes a Bible genius or, or a survey expert to understand if most people were given the option, choose, choose this decision. Uh, one way is going to be what God wants for you. The other way is going to be what's most comfortable for you. I think we know which way people go. You, you see that in churches across America uh, on Sundays now as attendance is dwindling all across the United States. There are nations in Europe that used to have upwards of 90% church attendance that now have below 2% church attendance. And I've always said this because I went to grade, uh, kindergarten, elementary, uh, kindergarten, first and second grade in England. So I've had this British connection. I've had this connection to the other side of the ocean my whole life going back and forth as a kid between England and America. And I have seen this for sure. If you want to know what America is going to look like 10 years from now, look, look at what Europe looked like 10 years ago. And it's just modeled after that because apples don't fall far from trees. And, and culturally, religiously, morally, we're just about 20 to 30 years behind where they are. But what's coming here is what's already been there. And the reason why is because people made choices based on comfort, not on what God wanted for them. And we're living in a day and an age now where we're letting the wrong people make the choices. We're letting people decide. We're letting children make decisions for families. I've had people ask me or tell me, well, I'm going to be asking my kids about what side of town they want to live on. That sounds all cute and warm and fuzzy, but are they going to be paying the mortgage? Do they even understand statistical crime analysis? Do they understand property valuation? Do they understand why you want to move in the first place? We're, make, we're letting children, there are colleges now. There are colleges that have done away with traditional um, curriculum and just went to student-based, whatever we want to learn about this semester curriculum. Listen, if you are going to let babies pick the menu, don't expect anyone to be healthy. 
You, you don't understand what I'm saying? If you go to any elementary school right now and you ask them, do you want broccoli and carrots or would you rather have ice cream and cookies? It's not going to be a hard choice for kids to make. Kids are not going to choose right, and you need to put yourself, listen, you may be 40, you may be in your 50s, you may be in your 70s, you may be beyond that, but compared to the eternal God, we are all young. Let that be your perspective next time you feel old. God's not just billions and billions of years old. He's way beyond that. We're young to him, and I want you to know most of us make immature choices. We choose comfort over what's best. And I want you to learn how to let God make your decisions for you. There are lots of decisions to make. The deep thinker wants to know right off the bat, where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? They want to know, what is God's big plan for me? What is my ultimate divine calling and purpose? And we put all these big phrases around it. I want you to know that's too big of a concept to tackle on day one. That's too big of a concept to tackle, even if you've been in this thing for a long time. This big calling purpose thing, that, there's a lot to that. And I've, I've used these two words before that I want to reintroduce to your thought process this morning. Baby steps. Say baby steps. I want everyone in the room, starting with me, all the way back to the sound booth, I want us to begin taking small steps toward better decisions. I want us to begin taking small steps toward righteousness. I want us to begin to take small steps toward honoring God and making the right choices. Maybe you don't know yet what your divine calling is. Maybe you don't know what the one big thing God wants to do in your life is. But that doesn't mean go sit on a mountain until God shows you. Here's, here's what I want you to get if you don't get anything else out of today's message. Do what you know to do. Now, do what you know to do now. Listen to God's word in Philippians 3.16. The Bible says, but we must be sure to obey the truth we have learned already. This is straight out of the Bible. This isn't the way the average church member's mind works. This isn't what the average Christian wants. The average Christian, and it's not just in this generation, it's always been this way. They've always tell pastors, teach us some smooth thing. Tell us something to make us feel good. Uh, people want to learn some new, awesome, cutting-edge twist on an eternal God. But I want you to know what we all need to do is to be sure to obey the truth that we have already learned. I believe most people in this room who are saved already know enough that if you just started doing what you know to do, you'd be busier for God than you've been. Did you get that? If you just start doing what you know to do for God, you'd be busier than you have been. We got to learn to obey the truth that we've already learned. You know you ought to be nice to people. You know you ought to treat others the way you want to be treated. You know that you ought to be kind and decent. You know that you represent God where you, you know you ought to 
read your Bible, say your prayers, and make good choices. You know certain things that God has already taught you, and the Scripture plainly says that we must be sure to obey the truth we've learned already. Now, we've learned as a Bible church over the years that when the Scripture says we, it's usually talking to what kind of people? Christians. We and us usually talking to Christians. They and them usually talking to non-Christians, not always, but this, this, is, this is a good principle to follow. This says that as Christians, as believers, as the hands and feet of God in the earth today, we must do something. I want to tell you one of the reasons why America is in the shape that it's in, one of the reasons why the state of Florida is in the shape that it's in, one of the reasons why this side of town is in the shape that it's in, one of the reasons why you in the shape you're in and I am in the shape that I am in is because Christians have not done their job. I'm never going to be that dude, and I wish that dude that is that dude would stop being that dude. Let's all go picket the, the politicians we don't agree with. Uh, if you would just picket the right place, you would never have to leave your bathroom. Let's just all go protest the politicians we don't Ooh, they're trying to open up a new liquor store in town. Let's go protest that. Oh, they're trying to open up. Uh, 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 listen, business people open up business where people do business. If they're opening up another strip joint in your neighborhood, it's because your neighborhood likes strip joints. I, I've heard for years people have told me, uh, you'd be shocked what you learn as the only white person in, a, in an all-black church. You'd be, you'd be shocked. I've heard for years people tell me, and, and some of y'all been the only black person everywhere you ever went. Listen, white people don't get that experience much. Uh, go join an all-black church. That's probably the only shot you got living in America. Uh, move, move, move to Zambia. It might be different. But I've heard people for years say, the government puts 40s in our neighborhood because they want us to stay drunk. I'm pretty good at economics, okay? You can check my front left pocket and see I'm okay with money. I, I, I'm pretty good at business. I, I've owned businesses my whole life since I was nine years old. Uh, listen, if nobody was buying it, even if the government put it there, which they didn't, because the government ain't in the liquor store business. Listen, there, there are neighborhoods that they put $1,000 bottles of champagne in. That's not because the government's trying to get them to buy overpriced liquor. Their neighborhoods, they put a $1.25, 40-ounce beer in, if that's what you can call a $1.25 for 40 ounces. They, they, they put it there because that's what people want. They put it there because that's what people buy. And I say all that to say this. Our communities are in the shape that they're in, not because the government did something wrong, not because the liquor man is trying to keep everybody drunk. These commercials, they're targeting our teens with cigarettes. Uh, listen, maybe, maybe, but if you teach them not to smoke, they can just waste all the money they want to on advertisement. 
They, they're, 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 putting, they're, they're putting all of the tobacco products at the front of the register so everyone will buy them. Never made me buy them. They're selling crack pipes in glass stems with little red roses at the Pakistani-owned convenience store. Yes, they are. But I never bought the little glass stem with the red rose in it and smoked any crack out of it. If we as Christians would be doing our job and obeying the truth that we know, there wouldn't be nothing that the politicians, the crack man, or the Pakistani-owned convenience store could do to our community. Some of y'all, hey, listen, it could, could be the, the Jewish owned, could be the white dude from Maxville owned. I don't care who it is. We keep trying to blame all the right. Everybody wants to blame somebody else when the reality is we are not doing our job. I'm not going to protest politicians. I'm not going to protest abortion clinics. I'm not going to protest liquor stores. I'm not going to protest all these deficient things when I know that Scott Becker needs to do better himself. I'm in protest of myself. And I'm inviting you to join me. Well, hold on. Some of y'all already protest me. You think all the people you gossip to don't PM me? You think that I don't have eyes and ears in your little circle of friends that hate me? So I'm not inviting you to protest me. I'm inviting you to protest yourself. I'm not protesting myself. I love myself. I think highly of me. I can tell. The scripture says, if you call yourself a we. Now, I, I, I wish, I, I really wish I had a weometer with me this morning. I, I just start with Carmelita, and I go all the way around the room. I hang my weometer on your neck. We, they, they, we, 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 I wish I had a weometer with me this morning so I could find out, uh, are you a we or are you a they? I say it how I feel it. Is you a we? Is you a we? Oh, I need some more we's in the room. But every we needs to understand. We must this is this should not be an option we must you want the community to get better go and join all your little clubs go on and join north florida democrats of a go on and join the republican club be the social all that kind of stuff just got you distracted point fingers in the wrong place if you get in the we club now, I'm not saying don't be socially involved. Don't leave here and, and, and twist my words. Oh, what I'm saying is get your focus on the big thing. And the big thing is if the we's in the room would obey the truth that we have learned already, all this other stuff would work itself out. It really would. They do not sell ski parkas at the surf shop in Atlantic Beach. They don't. They don't. They don't sell DeWalt cordless drills at the, ski, at the surf shop 
in Atlantic Beach. Anybody know why they don't sell DeWalt cordless drills? Good drill. Good, good tool you ought to have in your garage. They don't sell DeWalt cordless drills at the surf shop on Atlantic Boulevard in Atlantic Beach. You know why? Because nobody's going in there to buy one. They sell T-shirts, flip-flops, surfboards, and that kind of stuff. Because they are doing their job. They are catering to the right crowd. They have put together a platform of what they do. They're doing it well, and people are coming to get it. If churches would do what they're supposed to do and do it well, which is to represent God and to obey what we've already learned, then people would come to get it. You want to know how to get your husband, your wife, your children. You want to know how to get your community. You want to know how to get the people that you love to fall in love with Jesus. You fall in love with Jesus. It's not about all this. All this pro, we are in a protest generation. I look at some of these people, and I, and I watch more YouTube than I ought to. I watch more, more videos about these social justice words than I ought to. And I used to wonder, how do these same group of people Get from Portland, Oregon, all the way down to Austin, Texas. They can't live in both places. They, they, they got nothing better to do. Well, one, they're getting paid, but they're not getting paid much. They, they, they just live to pro. How about, I don't know how many of y'all remember the, when, when they set up those, those uh, 99 percenters. Uh, them people lived on the sidewalk in front, of, in front of Wall Street for months at a time, didn't bathe, didn't go home, didn't have jobs. Uh, listen, most people got too much going on in life to do all that. Uh, these, these are, these, we, but we live in a society where people think that uh, activism is, is, is the root of all success. Listen, I'm going to tell you, you want to be an activist? Start in your own life. Change you. Start with the man, the woman in the mirror, obeying what you've already learned. We wouldn't have to have all these protests. They're not standing out in front of the surf shop on Atlantic Boulevard saying, Hey, hey, ho, ho, DeWalt drills have got to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho, DeWalt drills have got to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho. No DeWalt drill invasion. At the surf shop in Atlantic Beach. Why? Because they're doing such a good job selling surf stuff there that the Walt Drill people have left. It is not up to the politicians. We're trying to leave it in the politicians' hands, trying to leave it in, 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 in the government's hands. To make our communities better is a fool's game. We are the ones. God said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. When will we begin to do what we've already learned? See, I, I, I even hesitate. My, my, norm, my normal phraseology at this point would be to turn it for application purposes, say, when will you begin to do what you've already learned? But I'm real stuck on me right now. And it's time for me to make my decisions. It's time for me 
to we up. You're welcome to we up with me if you want to. But we must do what we've already learned. This is the word of the Lord. But, but this, this, when we talk about what we've learned, some of us have learned a lot of stuff. This is a big book. There's a lot going on in this book. Uh, an Old Testament, a New Testament, 1,189 chapters, uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands of words. Man, there's a lot going on in there. And, and it takes me back to what I've told you before. And, and many of you know the answer. Uh, when you got something really big in front of you to do, analysis can cause paralysis. You can sit there and overthink that thing. You can sit there and study it. Uh, they tell you in the pool hall, if, if you study long, you hit it what? Wrong. Uh, they, but people get all, oh, that's a big task in front of me. I don't know what to do. And a lot of people do nothing. That's why we've got to understand what it means when I say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You just got to start chewing. And it's time, church, to start chewing. It's time to start moving in the right direction. It's time to say and to agree and to be honest and admit we've lost enough time. We, see, people love to sit back and, and, and be all philosophical. Well, we losing a whole generation of young people. Well, you know why? Because we didn't do what we already learned. If we don't change, we're going to lose another generation. Well, when are we going to change? If the Lord don't mind. Listen, the Lord has done enough. He created this earth. He sent his son who died for us. Who, the Bible says that, 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 that we have received every spiritual blessing. We, we, we have got the spirit of God living inside us as the true church. It's time for us to start taking steps in the right Direction. You got to break these decisions down. I'm talking about making a decision for God today. You got to break these decisions down in steps that are small enough so that you can develop confidence along the way. Now, it was hard yesterday, as uh, it wasn't extremely hard. Uh, you know, I, I don't see anybody. Uh, you know, good save crowd in here. I don't see anybody. You know, wearing a Georgia Bulldog shirt today. Uh, Well, become a real fan, you'll get one. <laughs> what happens when you call out during church? Uh, but it wasn't extremely difficult for me to watch, you know, that little team for, of hillbillies uh, win for the ninth time in 30 years. I mean, I, I'm like, that's okay, right? N 20, you know, 9 and 21. Uh, I, I like the new generation to see that it, it one time was a rivalry. I mean, we hadn't just always wore them out three decades in a row. They had won eight times in the last 29 years. Uh, but it wasn't hard for me to watch it. You know why? Because it never was as close as the score indicated. Florida never, the defense never got a three and out. Never got a six and out. Never got a turnover. It was just a beat down from, from, from start to finish. It would, it, and, and after the commentator said that they had never got a three and out, never got a six and out, that, that means that they didn't stop their offense at all uh, or early. And, well, if they could, after the commentator said that, and everybody's like, wow, 
ain't a whole lot of punting going on on this Georgia side. Um, they, they, they're just having their way. It would have been a boost of confidence for every Gator fan watching that if Georgia would have got the ball and, and went three and out. Three plays and a punt. That's what that means for y'all non-football fans. It, it, it would have, it, see, because little successes boost confidence for the big goal. Uh, now, now y'all, y'all know, uh, do, do they still do move the chains in Jacksonville? Anybody know? I, I, I can't take it. Uh, I like the concept, but I can't take a team that, is, uh, that, that just overly celebrates uh, first downs when, when, when some teams are celebrating titles. Uh, but uh, I, I do get the concept. Oh, my gosh. I remember back when I used to go to Jacksonville games. Uh, they, they would just get beat, you know, 60 to 5. Uh, yeah, five. That's a field goal and a safety because they couldn't get in the right end zone. Uh, but they get a first down and the crowd would erupt. <sighs> Move dim chains. I'm not even sure what language that is. Move dim chains. Move dim chains and just get all excited. I I've never been for a celebration at that level on football first downs, but I do believe the concept is right. We got to learn how to celebrate every success. Because as you celebrate small successes, and, and here's what I mean by success in this context, making the right decision and putting action to it that results positively for God's kingdom. Obeying the truth that we know already and acting on that, uh, here's what it'll do for you. It will swell your faith see faith grows you can read the bible and you'll find out that people grew in faith people grew in wisdom people people grew that that, that the holy spirit was given to some without measure that that the anointing grows that that your faith can swell inside you and every small success if celebrated will give you confidence to move to the next level without small successes you're just going to be stuck wondering when god is going to do something. One of my favorite people in the Old Testament is King David. And uh, David did a lot. I think one of the things that David is most familiar, uh, most, most remembered for, people are most familiar with David uh, and, and the big fight that, that he won over who? Okay, David fought Goliath, the giant. People know this story, but that isn't in the first fight David ever had. That wasn't the first battle David ever won. That, that wasn't the first time David ever had to take on overwhelming odds and rely on God to get it done. Let, 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 listen to the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. This dude been mocking them, just begging them, send me somebody. Where's your champion? Come fight me. He said, if you, one of y'all can beat me, we'll all be y'all slaves. Just mocking them relentlessly, all of them hiding scared. The smallest dude in the room, and I've told my kids this their whole life, that guy is six foot six, 270 pounds of muscle, and staring at his muscles in the mirror all day long, he don't know how to fight. He never been in a fight. Uh, you go look out for that guy that's about five foot five. Driving a truck jacked up into the power lines, 
That's the little chihuahua dude that's going to slap you in the mouth if you look at him wrong. The, the littlest guy in the whole building, David, walks up and says, Oh, man, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. <laughs> now, this, now, he's telling Saul this. Now, Saul is that big, strong dude. Saul is head and shoulders, the Bible says, uh, above everybody. everybody else is armpit high to Saul. Saul's a big, strong, good-looking dude. Here comes David, uh, and he says, I'll go fight him. <laughs> Verse 33, don't be ridiculous. Saul replied, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. This is the two voices that you get to listen to when it comes to choosing what God wants you to do in life. The voice that says, I'll do it, and the voice that says, that's stupid. The voice that says, God and me make a majority. The voice that says with God on my side, nothing is impossible. The voice that says this is what God told me to do and I am more than able. The voice that says I will obey God, that's the one voice. The other voice is don't be ridiculous. You can't do that. Who are you to think that you can do that? That's not going to, and they give you, and it sounds logical. This is a very logical argument. This isn't just haterism. This, this isn't just raw, uh, just attack. This is very logical. He told him, you can't fight this Philistine and win. Now, you might fight him, but you can't fight him and win. Uh, you're just a boy. Uh, and, and David was just a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. This is facts. This is truth. Verse 34, but David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock. Hold on right there. Look what he said. David persisted. When God tells you to do something and you make a decision to do it, it's going to require some persistence. Life's just not going to fall in place just because you want it to fall in place. It's not all going to happen on our time frame. That would be too easy, and it would require no faith. Everything that God wants for you is going to require some persistence between every promise and the promised land is going to be some wilderness journey. He, he said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. Listen, get the point. He's been obedient. He's been working. He hasn't been lazy. He's been doing what he had, what his father gave him to do. And when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, he just stands in the middle of the field and says, I declare and I decree that lion is not for me. That ain't how it went. When, when a lion or a bear came to mess with him, he just lays on the ground and says, why is life so hard? Nobody's here to help me. No, that is not. What David did, look at verse 35. He said, I go after it with a club. <laughs> I like that part. I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. He said, when life pushes me, I push back. And if you are going to be in the we that must do what we have already learned to do, you're going to have to be persistent because life is going to push on you. And if you don't find a spiritual club to battle back with, then you are going to lose. He said, I go after it. I just want to know, when are you going to go after it? 
When are you going to go after it? God has put dreams in you. God has told you what you need to do. When are you going to pick up a club and go after it? Rescue your dream from the enemy's mouth. He said, if that animal turns on me. See, that animal, that, he, he's, in, he's in my mama's head right then. My, my mom, well, I, it, 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 she never got tested because it wouldn't work good for her. But I saw my mom at least five different men in, in my lifetime. I saw my mom look five different grown men in their face and say, I wish you would hit me. <laughs> Mama, and, and, and what she was saying is, oh, you, you, oh, you, you're going to turn on me right now? She, listen, she was in her feelings a little bit. Uh, she, 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 yeah, she was. She, she was in her feelings a little bit uh, because at, at five foot tall and 120 pounds, it, her whole, I wish you would, it, it, it could have went bad. But this, this, this is that warrior spirit. And he said, man, if that animal, oh, I wish that animal would try to turn on me. Because you know what he did? He said, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. See, here's the reality. Most people don't want to beat their problem to death. They just want to push it away for a minute. Most people's repentance does not result in killing the enemy. Study the story. When David killed Goliath, he didn't just knock him out. He didn't just, just didn't hope to kill him. He chopped his head off and said, ha ha. This what I'm about. He said, I catch it by the jaw, and I club it to death. You want to you get involved in, in what God has for your life? You can't just keep playing with your sin. You're going to have to club it to death. You can't just push it off and say, well, I'm going to try to do better and stay away from that this week. I already told y'all, uh, pe people, I, I had a lady come up uh, uh, to the altar one day and say, Pastor, I just want you to know, uh, God, God has been blessing me. I, 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 gave, I, I quit smoking last week. And literally, this is God's untrue. She had a pack of cigarettes poking out of her purse. And I'm not picking on people that smoke. Listen, hey, hey, you, you might smoke, but the person next to you might not pray. I mean, we all got issues. And, and, and so I said, well, praise the Lord, you quit smoking. I know that's one of the hardest things in life to do. Nicotine is a strong addiction. I said, well, well why you got them cigarettes in your purse? Oh, that's my fallback pack. She had a fallback pack. And I've since learned that most people have a fallback. Most people, listen, some of you dudes walking around out there, you, you used to carry around what we used to call back, back in player day, uh, your black book. Uh, most people, see, that's all digital now. People hide that on, 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 on digital stuff. Uh, most dudes... When they, when they say, I got rid of my black book because I'm committed to my family, uh, they know where they got rid of it. They, they left it in the office drawer. What's in the bottom drawer, Pastor? Way in the back. Fall back. Fall back plan. Plan to play with it later. That's not catching it and killing it to death, clubbing it. To death, verse 36 says, I've done this to both lions and bears. David's like, this ain't my first rodeo and I ain't scared. 
or skirt. He said, I've done this to lions and bears. I'll do it again to this Philistine too, for he's defied the armies of the living God. And verse 37 said, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. I love the next sentence. It says, Saul finally consented. Saul's the king. He can have you killed for speaking to him. This, this little child is disagreeing with him. This little child is overriding his, his advice. Saul finally consented. You, you, you know what's going to happen? If you, if, if you start making the right decisions for God, if you start putting plan into action, if you start planning your work and working your plan, if you start doing what God has called you to do, it's going to have some pushback. It is. Then, then you're going to have to be persistent. It's going to have some attack on you. It is. Then you're going to have to take the, the spiritual club of prayer, praise, and worship and just beat that to death and, and, and just get off me, devil, and, and, and keep going. And ultimately, the people around you, here, here, this is so cool, they're going to consent. They're just going to finally say, I can't stop him from loving God, so I might as well get along. I can't stop her. From loving God. This, this king knew, I, I can't stop this boy. He's already had too much success in life. God's already blessed him too much. He's already won too many battles. So Saul said, all right, go ahead. And may the Lord be with you. See David's progression here. He beat the lion. So when the bear came around, he had his confidence up. He beat the bear. And he knew if I can beat a lion and a bear, uh, I know I can beat this Goliath. It's a picture of growing faith. You have got to hear this. Don't me you got to win something. I want you to go out today and win something. No matter what the battle is, I want you to win something. I want you to overcome something one time. If we started right now and we went all the way around this room, if I just started with Marlon and went all the way around the room and said, what has God allowed you to win at what addiction have you broken? What sin have you set aside? What, what righteousness have you acquired? What battle have you overcome? Uh, I, I don't know what your statement would be, but you got to go out and get something. Get a win today. Get a small win. Get a first down. Complete a pass. Uh, catch the ball. Whatever you have to do, you got to get a win in you so that your faith can begin to grow. So when that big thing, listen, David had the, all the eyes, look, and he didn't have any eyes looking at him with the lion or the bear. He was just out there being obedient, doing the little job his daddy had him to do. No eyes were on him. But when all eyes were on him, he was ready to win because he had won before. When all eyes were on him, he was ready to beat the enemy because he had beaten overwhelming odds before you got to go out and you got to get a victory today. Read your Bible, say your prayers, tell God you love Him. Turn the TV off and spend some time thinking about Jesus. Get a victory today so your faith can begin to grow because every journey starts with a single step. What is your victory step? What have you overcome? What have you accomplished? What has God blessed you to be able to do? You need to start now doing the things that you know you should do. Take some steps in the right direction. Take these small steps so when it's time to run, you can run. If someone in the room came up to me today and said, Pascot, I'm going to be the president of the United States. See, uh, I, I, I'm not your kind of parent. 
If, if some child told me that, uh, I'd be like, uh, okay. And I'd have a million things in my mind. I'm not that parent. Well, Pastor, I just believe that my children can do anything that they want to do, and they can be anything that they want to be, and they can accomplish any purpose they want to accomplish. Okay, before back surgery, I, uh, the Army said I was 5'10". I've never been 5'10". I was a shade under 5'10". 5'9 uh, and a half, a little bit plus. Gail claimed to be five foot tall and one half inch. She wasn't that either. Uh, she, was, she was as close to five foot and a half inch as I was to 5'10", just a little under that. Um, but at five nine and a half and five foot tall, how many people really believe that I should have been telling my children, son, if you want to play center for the Boston Celtics, you can do it. You can do anything you want. If you want to guard seven foot tall, 300 pounds, if you just want to get in there and elbow with Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns, you can do it. I'm not that kind of parent. I'm a little bit more realistic than all that. But if somebody came to me and said, I'm going to be the president of the United States, I'd just smile and say, well, God bless you. Go on your way. But I think they were crazy. But if, if, they, if they ended up saying, I'm going to be the president, and then I saw them volunteering at their school, then I, saw, then I saw them graduate and go to college, then I saw them get involved in their student government, then I saw after college that they, they got involved in, in their own local child school and their uh, parent-teacher association, and, and, and then they ran for city council and council commissioner, and then they ran for state representative, and then they became a U.S. senator, and then they became a governor, and they come back to me at 50 years old. Of course, it looks like now you got to be in your 70s to run for anything in this country. Uh, somebody let somebody know out there, uh, you don't have to be 78 years old to be the president. Uh, but if they came back to me in their 50s and said, still plan on running for president, I'd be like, well, you should. You got all those victories under your belt. I mean, you went, you, you've been a senator, you've been a governor, it's a natural, per you got to get some wins under your belt, Christian. You got to make some decisions and start getting victory so that your faith can grow. To accomplish something big requires a big belief in God, and this belief can be cultivated, but it all starts by making the right decision and doing some action. So I wonder, what can you decide to do today for God? Well, it's easy. I give you three things all the time. Read your Bible, say your prayers, make good choices. If you're already doing that, then you need bigger victory than that, and you need to get involved in your own process. Let's, let's, let's see what the Word says. Uh, our, our, our opening verse this morning said, uh, Psalm 118.24, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Short verse, I'm going to break it down. We're going to get out of here. I've told you many times that God is a creator and the devil is an imitator. If you want to know what God is going to do, all you have to do is look and see what he did because he never changes. If you want to see, if you want to know how the devil is going to come at you, he, he, he's not smart enough to, to make proper adjustments. He's still falling into the same old tricks that he's always had. He tries to pervert what God sets up. He tries to put his own twist on what God is doing. God said, this is the day the Lord has made, period, or, or semicolon. Pause on the punctuation. It'll help you in your understanding of reading. It'll, it'll build your comprehension. This is the day the Lord 
has made. Do you agree with that? God made this day. Human beings can't create days. They can play with the clock all they want to. But God is the creator of the earth and everything that is in it. And God made this day. And we need to begin. Here's your assignment. Here, here's here's your, 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 your process. Here's your plan of action. We need to begin to say what God says. Can you do that? Say. See, you got to find out what he said. And then you got to say it. And you got to walk in agreement with him. God said this is the day that I've made. Human beings say, man, I hate Monday. You should not wake up thinking, I hate this day. You should wake up saying, this is the day the Lord has made. Oh, this day just stinks, man. This is my 15th bad day in a row. You keep, you keep telling yourself that, you're going to end up like that lady on Rotten Tomatoes or uh, Fried Green Tomatoes, that wrinkled up old white woman. They told her she was depressed. She said, I'm not depressed. I've just been in a very bad mood for the last 20 years. Well, that's how it, that's how it starts, by saying this day stinks. This is another, just another bad day. That's not what God said. God said, this is, this is my day. This is the day I have made. We need to say what God says. Uh, he, he goes on in that verse to say, we, I'm still looking for some we's. I'm still looking for some we's. I'm looking for some people who are in that we group. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, how in the world are you going to rejoice in Monday traffic on your way to work when all these people don't know how to drive Stuck sticking you in the way, and, and you find yourself, th and, and here's the thing. You start saying what the enemy wants you to say, not what God wants you to say. Look at these non-drivers out here. Hey, I'm worried about you. We, we need to get him some therapy. On I listened to that message. Uh, we, need to get, we, we need to get you a steer clear of this truck message. Uh, but I get it. I get it. So There you go. Uh, but... You get out there and you start seeing people driving not perfect and you go into criticism mode. Or, you know, if you're Elder Jimmy, you just barrel down on them in a big, giant, one-ton pickup truck and scare them to death. Uh, but you, 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 you start saying, oh, here we go again. You start saying stuff that is not what God has said about this day. God said, this is the day I made. And we should, how are we going to rejoice in a day with difficulty, how are we going to be glad in a day with problems? How are we going to be glad and rejoicing in a day that feels just like the last 72 bad days we've had in a row? I came to tell you. I'm glad you asked. I came to tell you. Realize God is moving. Realize God woke you up for a purpose. God is active. He's involved. Start thanking him for something. Rejoice over something. Listen, y'all know I hate these non-driving people just as much as you do. That sounds horrible to say, but it just is what it is. I, I, I get frustrated with non-bad driving people, with, with non-driving, bad driving people just as much as you do. But the choice is to rejoice 
that this non-driver just didn't crash into me or just to go a different way. Now, here's my question. Will you recognize your weeness? Will you be part of the we that must do what we've learned? Will you be thankful that this is a day that God made, that you're alive, that he got you up today? And will you recognize his activity and begin to rejoice about something? Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, I, there's plenty of things that I look at and say, oh, that, 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 that's hard to rejoice in. But God has commanded us to rejoice. Once again, if you look at a big picture, it's hard to make progress. How am I supposed to rejoice? Did you see what just happened on the news? How am I supposed to rejoice? Did you, you start looking at everything at once. It's hard to make progress. So you got to break it down. Small bites. You got to break it down into baby steps. You, you got to take it one, one, one piece at a time. When, when, when you get up in the morning, I want you to start saying every day when you get up, this is the day the Lord made. I will rejoice. I'll be thankful. I'll be grateful. I, I, I'm, I'm going to th- I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to be joy. I'm going to be filled with joy over something. And then every chance you get, I want you to thank God for something that you see that you can thank Him for. Because if you don't start looking for ways to build your faith, if you don't start looking for ways to put your faith into action, then you're going to be stuck in the rut that you've been in. Look, look, look at, think about how God did it. When God created the earth, man, if Thanos can snap, uh, God can certainly snap better. That's, that's a Marvel reference for all you Marvel nuts out there. Listen, God could have just said, he, wouldn't even, he didn't even have to say. Uh, word, word people love to say, uh, but, but, uh, before there was a book, there was a voice. He spoke. God could have just, he didn't even have to think it. He could have just, he didn't even have to blink. I mean, there's, it just could have been. God, God didn't have to speak everything into existence. He could have thought it into existence. He could have snapped it into existence. He could have just breathed it into existence. He could have just, it could have just all been right away. But you know what God did? He took it one day at a time. Study creation. Study the six-day creation. It's not a theory. It's a fact. It's historical. Study the way God created the earth and everything that he took it one piece at a time. He didn't make animals and humans on the same day. He could have. He didn't do everything together on the same. He didn't put the land and the sea together on the same day. He put the sun and the moon together. He, he could have, but he didn't. Why? Because he's a father and he's always teaching. And if he wants us to be like him, he took it one piece at a time and he began to work it methodically. He worked it in a process and you need to get your stuff one day at a time. A time. Some of y'all old enough to remember that old song, One Day at a Time, Sweet Jesus. That is the Christian way. That is the God way to take one day at a time. When God fed the Hebrews in the wilderness, he told them, I'll give you enough for one day. And he knew some people would be greedy, so he said, if you gather more than one day, I'll let it rot overnight. You're only going to get one day. At a time. When Jesus' disciples came to him and said, teach us how to pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Ask God to give us this day our daily bread. They understood what he was talking to. 
You, uh, they, they understood the reference as God fed the people in the wilderness. It only came provision for one day at a time. I, I'm not talking about never planning. We need, we need a one day at a time mindset, but we, sure, we got to plan for the future. We got to be wise, but I want you to start living every day like it is the most important day of your life. You don't know that you'll have another one. This is the day the Lord has made. You've got a choice to rejoice in it today or not. You've got a choice to, to tell him you love him today or not. You've got a choice to move forward in your spirituality today or not. This, this, I told you this is a big book. There's a lot to learn. There's lots of choices to make. But the first choice for all of us, the most important choice, the key choice in this book uh, is to answer the question, what will you do with Jesus? Are you saved? Are you truly born again? If you died today, do you know for sure God would let you into heaven? If you're not saved, if you don't have a true personal relationship with Christ, see, a lot of people think coming to church is all they have to do. But God, God Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 that on that day of judgment, many people are going to stand before him and say, but we did all these things in your name. And he's going to say, but... I never knew you. Do you know that you know that you're right with God? Do you know for sure that you have eternal life guaranteed for you in heaven? Do you know that you've done what God requires of you to do to get into heaven forever? See, because you can be a great day-by-day -day liver. You can be a great rejoicer. You can be a great church member. You can be a great community member. But if you die and go to hell forever, it's all in vain. Are you born again? Jesus said you must be born again. If you're not sure that you're born again, before you leave here today, I want you to come find me. Find somebody that can tell you how to be born again. You need to make your choice for Jesus today. You can do it right now. The Bible says if you'll call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. Now, many of you have done that before and it didn't work for you. And the reason why it didn't work for you is because you weren't ready. You weren't making a wholehearted decision for Christ. You weren't all in. God says you'll only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. But if you're not saved, you need to ask God to save you today. And if you're a real Christian... If you know for sure that you're a we, start doing what you know to do. Start doing what you know to do. Every time an opportunity comes your way, do the right thing. Make good choices. I'm going to give you the simplest thing. I'm going to give you real instruction, real application. Something that I have made a commitment to do and I want you to join me in making this commitment to do. Every day, I want you to say what God says. When you read your proverb in the morning, I want you to find something in there and I want you to say it. I want you to believe it and I want you to live it. Say what God says. See, the devil wants you to say this day stinks. God wants you to say this is the day the Lord made. 
devil wants you to, to, to say that life's just hard. God wants you to say that he is more than able. The devil wants you to say that it's never going to get any better. It's just always going to be like this. But God wants you to say nothing is impossible with him. Start saying what God says. People, people use that teaching to try to manipulate God. Well, Pastor Scott, I'm a prayer warrior. I'm an intercessor. When I, when I pray, I quote scripture to God, remind him, call him into obedience to his own word. That's not how it works, child. God's memory is not bad, and you can't manipulate him or force him into anything. The Bible says he's a one mind, and you cannot turn him. You don't need to remind God of what he said. We need to remind ourselves of what he said. We don't need God to bend to his own command. He, he always walks in obedience to everything he says. We need to bend to his command. Start saying what God says. Remind yourself that these words are truth and they are life. And they will bring you freedom. The lie of the devil is the, the, this book comes to bind you to heap rules on you, to restrict you. This is, that's false. That is not what this book and this God comes to do. He comes to free you, to set you loose so you can have life the way He intended for you to have life. Say what God says. There's freedom in Jesus. There's joy in Jesus. There's hope in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and they are safe. God is good. His mercy endures forever. He loves us. He's married to the backslider. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Find something and say what God says. It's time for us as a local church. This is the day the Lord has made and there's specificity for today in this church. I told y'all almost a year ago that we needed some people to get gone. The Bible says if you take, if you take, if you take uh, the, the gossiper out, the fire will die off, the strife will cease. We needed uh, to prune back some members. We needed to get smaller so that we could be lean and efficient. We, we, we needed to see some people uh, just going ahead and, 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 and go do what they were going to do anyway. But, but this is the day of forward movement for abundant life. And here's what I want you to start doing like you've never done before. I want you to start inviting people to come to church because this is the day that change is going to happen in abundant life. Supernatural miracles, divine intervention, 
real God showing up in real people doing God-sized things. I want you to start calling everybody that you know and tell them you need to be in church on Sunday morning because God is up to something at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. Everybody in this room needs to be dedicated. The Scripture tells us to go out into the highways and hedges and to compel them to come in that His house may be full. We got chairs for people. We, we run off uh, enough people, uh, got, 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 got their foolishness out of uh, our, our atmosphere, and now God wants to release uh, uh, us into this community to make some incredible change. God has done some cool things in five years of us being here on this location, but I promise you we, ain't, we haven't even scratched the surface of what God wants to do in this church and through the lives of the people of this church and you've got a decision to make. Will you begin to move forward in your spirituality? The scripture tells us to go out and preach the gospel to everybody. Will you get involved in winning men and women and boys and girls to the gospel saving message of Jesus Christ will you get involved in doing what God has gifted you to do will you be here Sunday will you spend time praying and and studying this week sharing your faith and doing everything that your hand finds to do to the glory of God so that God can be exalted in the earth we say stuff like we want God to be exalted in all the earth Will you exalt him in your own life? Will you exalt him in this building? Will you exalt him in this community? It is time for us to make a decision. This is the day the Lord has made. God is a purposeful God. God is a God of, of logic and rational uh, and ra rationale and, 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 and process. Get in your process. We Start saying what God says. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Help us, God, to agree with you. Help us to say what you say. Help us to turn back the voice of liars and devils, God. Help us to pick up our praise, our worship, and beat to death anything that stands in our way. Thank you, God, for the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray that you bring supernatural healing to every hurting person in this room today. God, I pray you'd save the lost, deliver the backslider. God, I pray that you would have your way. Lord, I pray that you would release your anointing in this place. God, I pray you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit. And we would go from this place today rejoicing, knowing that you made this day. That you are the Lord of this day and the Lord of our life, God. I pray that we'd exalt you everywhere we go. I pray that your praise would be continually in our mouth. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to your name. Thank you, God, for life. Thank you, God, for sunshine and rain. Thank you for good times and pain, God. Thank you for everything. We agree that you know best. So God, I ask you that you choose for me. Choose for us. Help us to let you make our choice. God, I pray you'd give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, God. I pray that you would fill us, Lord, with passion for souls. God, I pray that you would begin to bring 
lost people into this place so that they can receive true salvation. God, I pray that you would bring hungry people into this place. Let us thirst for you. And let us run to that rock. You're our God and we choose you. We thank you for choosing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.